Hey guys, uh, happy Holy Week. We are excited to be joining you for another week of podcasting. And let us assure you that this week we really will uh, be posting because I, Ashley, am healthy again. So enjoy today's episode and we hope you have a very blessed and very holy holy week. So, world, I would just like you to uh, welcome, first of all, welcome, I would like you to enter into our kitchen tonight, 8.30 p.m., and I am making my little fajitas, carnitas in the broiler, and all of a sudden, I hear that. It was in my head all day. Along with the singing. And I needed it out. And so Ashley's just, she just starts going for it. She just starts playing. For those of you who don't know, this is VeggieTales Sing Along Promised Land. It's very appropriate for Holy Week, actually, because we are awaiting the promised land. Lexi, I'm just getting us in the mood for Easter. Thank you. The promised land. Thank you. I was really sad, though, because then the Pirates Who Don't Do Anything was going to play next. And then I could tell Lexi was maybe not jiving with my choice. Here's the thing. I didn't grow up with VeggieTales, so none of this means anything except for obnoxious to me. That's fair. If you Um, didn't grow up with it. Yeah. The only song I know that I do appreciate is the Boogeyman song. Um, Oh, funny story. When I was in, like, third grade. Oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. Okay, when I was in third grade, I went to a Catholic school at that point in my life, and we had a talent show and I was like kind of a ham like I didn't really care <laughs> kind of a ham and so <laughs> I did a dance to the boogeyman solo on stage for the whole school shut the front and door. like lip synced the whole thing no you did I not I absolutely did tell me you have mom, that on video mom if you're listening which I know you are because <laughs> you're a cool mom please try to find that somewhere because I want to watch it. if we can find that we will upload it I mean, it's definitely point. on VHS. Okay. Oh, but, my, but Luke, my brother-in-law, he's good at that conversion Maybe we can thing. convert it. I want to see that. <laughs> I wore, like, slippers and, like, was in a sleeping bag on stage. And I was, like, oh like doing, like, all the, like, how does it go? How does it go? Police. How does it go? I and then I, like, remember. would jump up. I'll tell you. So then I would jump up and, like, I was in my slippers and I did this, like, kick line dance. And I was, like, God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's, he's bigger, bigger than the monsters on TV. Oh, God is bigger than the boogeyman. And he's watching them for you and me yep yeah 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 i thought i was so freaking cool i sang that song to myself one time when i was really afraid in Aww. like the dark I, like it's not normal. like cute because i was in like college oh <laughs> well, i don't know the truth though i think i still sing that to myself like if i'm being yeah. honest like when it's, it's dark and you're kind of scared it's like god is he's bigger than the centipedes that crawl out oh <laughs> ashley and i both have a deep fear of centipedes 
Like, I don't know what we're going to do. Actually, there was a centipede in this room. It was a d- no. Yeah, there was. Oh. It was a baby. It was a little baby, so I killed it. Oh, I killed it. You did. I never kill them. <laughs> I usually run away from them and cry, or freeze and cry. I did have to one time come into Ashley's room to kill a spider, which it's sad. <laughs> it's sad when I'm the one who has to come in to kill the spider because I hate killing. I was spiders. like hypo- hypothetical. No, hyperventilating. <laughs> hypothetical. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know why. I just freeze. It's almost like my like. The fight or flight or freeze, I guess, response. <laughs> and I freeze when it comes to these. That's things. really funny. As far as like creatures who would die, it's the ones who have the freeze instinct. It's like Yeah, I would die. Fight or well, flight. Like, people or who freeze. know people who know <laughs> that went to my teens and I, we went to the Dominican Republic a couple summers ago. Yeah. And my response when I saw a tarantula and a centipede was someone get an adult. And like <laughs> they still tease me about that because that's what I adult. do. I freeze and I yeah. try to find somebody else to solve it. Isn't that a weird moment when you realize that you're the adult? Yeah, like I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah. Guys, you know what? Here's a here, myth buster. You will myth. never feel old enough to be an adult. Okay? Okay. You just won't. Nope. It's always like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to do this. I still don't believe that because I'm in charge of my life. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. So, Anyways, um, all right. Well, that was fun. Yeah, that was that was pretty fantastic. So, hey, um, we are Dirty Rotten Liars, and we said that we were going to post yeah. on Friday, and hi. It's because I was sick. I'll take the blame. I thought I was getting better, and then I, like, she got didn't. worse. She didn't get better. Now I'm clearly doing a lot better, but yeah. I'm still, like, not a thousand percent. It's but I'm true. Good enough to sing Veggie Tales. So heck yeah, yeah. I was like, well, you're obviously in a decent mood because Ashley like cleaned our entire apartment today. Oh, I was just dying. You know, like after you've been sick, maybe this is an adult problem, but I feel like I, I feel like there's not like I did this when I was a kid. Like once you've been sick and you've been like laying in your bed forever, like you just want your world to be clean and organized again. Yeah. Well, you just want to also do something productive because you haven't done anything productive in like yeah a long time. Anyways. Yeah. So, hey, so it's Holy Week. Whoop, whoop. Holy cannoli. How did this happen? I don't know. It doesn't feel like Holy Week. It happened so quickly. So, um, we were just talking and we, and we were saying that um, Holy Week kind of crept up on us. Uh, so, what we want to do is talk super briefly today about how we live into Holy Week. Like, mm-hmm. how you and I live into Holy Week. Um, what we appreciate about Holy Week and how we like to pray during Holy Week. So we're going to do that really briefly, but then our main agenda item for tonight is uh, to turn the tables from last time and let Ashley tell her story. Buckle up, buttercup. I'm super excited, (laughs) super excited because Ashley, um, God has done really amazing things in her and she has a lot to share with us this evening, so I'm super excited about that. But let's start. Um, Ashley, which day of Holy Week do you always find captures your heart the most? Oh, that's really hard. I don't know. Um, or is there one? Um, I'm a triduum snob, so I kind of like the whole thing. Like <laughs> yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, for those who don't know the phrase. Um, but I think, um, like, oh my gosh, is it, I can't, I'm, I'm, de- okay, okay. I'm really having a hard time right <laughs> I now. I can tell. <laughs> Okay, so like Easter vigil doesn't count because that's actually Easter. So we're gonna we're gonna go with we're gonna go with we're gonna go with Good Friday. Yeah. Like Do you do like the full on like do you go at three o'clock and do like the kissing cross thing? Come, come, veneration. That's yeah, what it is. That's the, the one. kissing cross. The kissing cross thing. 
<laughs> um, you know, TBH, I kind of like every year it's different. So okay. I definitely go to some day, some time of day, like whether mm-hmm. that's three or seven. Like, yes, yeah. I do the federation. Yeah. Um, but I just like, um, I also really like when it rains on Good Friday. Oh my gosh. Like I kind of get Ditto. mad when it's sunny, actually. Ditto. <laughs> I'm like, come on world. You should Cooperate. be breathing. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you should be green. <sighs> no, I, uh, I definitely, I just, I love, I love, I love Good Friday. I think just in general, kind of like Holy Week, um, for me is just always a reminder that the story of Christ's passion is not just a spectator story. It's not like just a story for me to like read about and remember like, Oh, whatever happened to this man long ago, but like, it's my story. And I think that Holy week just really drives that home. And then obviously like the, the pinnacle of, of like the, the suffering component of that is good Friday is the crucifixion. Um, and just really reflecting on like, Whoa, Lord, like where are you calling me to die, um, to sin, to my own ways, um, to, to things that are like, like bringing death in my life. Like, where are you calling me to die? And how can I unite all of those things with you on the cross? It's just like, yeah. And then, and then the more I lean into that, the more that like Easter is like this celebration. So I think that's why I'm like, live up good Friday. Cause then you can live up Easter Sunday. Oh my gosh. I will never forget. There was one time in college where it was good Friday. And I think it was the first good Friday that it like clicked with me how horrible of a day it was. You know, it was just like, oh my gosh, the love of my existence died because of me today. And it was so heavy. And I was just like in this intense state of grief. Mm. And it's understandable that like other people were not totally in that place. You know, I mean, like I want everyone to grieve with me on that day. I remember I was like, we were, we went to Kroger and I don't remember why we went to Kroger, Whatever but we Kroger were, we is. were, well, it's, it's a store. I've never heard of it. Okay. Is it in Steubenville? I, well, yeah, it's, it's a lot of places. Oh. I guess it's not in Minnesota Michelle though, but place. it is, it's in a lot of other states. So okay. yeah. So Kroger, it's a, it's a grocery store for those who don't know. Um, we were at You're the, welcome, we guys. were at the grocery store <laughs> that's called Kroger. And, um, I don't remember even what we were getting, but it was like. Probably not meat. Probably not meat. Yep, that's correct. Maybe we were getting things for Easter. I don't even know, but not the right day to prepare for Easter. But, like, my friend who was with me, there were a couple friends who were with me, and he, like, kept joking with me, you know? And he kept just kind of, like, being funny and being fun. And we were, like, at the register, and he was like, Lex, what's your problem? (laughs) And I was like, we called him Tank, which is funny. His name was Matt, but we called him Tank because he was huge. I was like, Tank... I, it's just a bad day, okay? It's just a bad day. And <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I was so emo. But like, it was so true. It was just like this intense state of mourning. But ever since then, Good Friday has also held this air of like, really? It's okay to be emo on Good Friday. Like, it's actually the right day to to grieve like it's it's good and okay to grieve on that day and to take it as a whole day of like grief because that does make easter so much more celebratory like you can't have the death without or the life without the death Mm. anyway beautiful i've always loved holy thursday like the institution of the eucharist has just been really hitting me Mm. these past couple of years and so i've been 
totally grieving the fact that we're not going to get to go to mass this Holy Thursday. Like, that one is hitting me really hard. I'm just... I, so, for me, it's Easter Vigil. I, yeah. I used to, like, sleep through the Easter Vigil when I was a child because it's so long. And then I realized it was, like, the story of our whole salvation, like, spelled yeah. out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And you get a candle. Yeah, you Oh, my gosh. One time, it's dark. One time at Franciscan, a girl's hair caught on fire. No, like, a lot. Like, it set on caught fire. Caught on Was she bald? Fire. No, but the whole back of her head, her hair was gone. I watched it happen. As I was coming back from receiving our Lord in the Eucharist, this girl's hair caught on fire, and I watched the Wait, whole thing happen. Out. This is a irrelevant question kind of but like why the heck was there a candle lit during the eucharist i like, you don't blow it out no okay. all i know is like i was coming back from i i guess i assume it was the eucharist but i was like walking around you know it mm. was so maybe what other reason would you have to walk around you like i think it was the eucharist the thing like when you light it in the back of the church sure like, whatever who cares anyway at yes. some point i think it was the eucharist but then that wouldn't make sense a candle was lit anyway well on the bright side no pun intended um <laughs> <laughs> nobody has to worry about their hair catching on fire at the easter vigil this year true maybe that's not a good joke to make maybe just check the amount of hairspray that you wear at the easter vigil that's all i would oh, say I like that. minimal frizz is probably better because i think that was a part of her problem she had like big curly frizzy hair Oh, and so it just went up. Oh. Went she up. even tried to do her hair. Yeah. That's devastating. Uh-huh. But too much hairspray, not a good choice. Mm. Anyway. Um, this is a long intro, man. It's not an intro. It's us. We're bantering. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so good at this. Um, okay, so just uh, know that we'll be praying for you this yes. Holy Week. Um, we'll try and post again on all Wednesday. jokes aside we truly will um it is a whole but, week but really do try and i would encourage you even though you're at home enter in to holy week like pray intentionally with the mysteries of holy thursday and good friday and um just just enter in you know really yeah and i know that at holy name and you can speak for saint mike's but i know at holy name like we will be um having like access to like Holy Thursday Mass live stream, or at least recorded, whatever. Yeah. Um, and Good Friday and all that. So, like, um, I don't know about you, but like, I had a really profound experience just watching Mass this weekend, which surprised me. And so, like, I know that, um, that like the Lord wants to still give us the graces, even though we can't. Absolutely. Be there. It's so, it's very, it became very clear to me this Sunday that the Lord wants to be comforted in his loneliness right now. Oh. Like my heart just broke. Like he is wanting to pour himself out to us. Like he wants to make a gift of himself to us, and that's being withheld from him right now. And like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna cry. I I was crying on Sunday. I was full blown crying. Remember when I came home and I told you that I really needed to journal? That's exactly mm-hmm. what I was meditating on. Was like mm-hmm. Jesus, the priest homily that I was listening to. That's exactly what he was talking about. Like Jesus is desiring to pour himself out right now. And he is, like, he's alone like he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. I was just going to say, that sounds like the agony. And Exactly. And he desires the company of his creation, just like he did in the Garden. Like, he desired the company of his creation. And and he wanted intimacy with his creation. And he's not being allowed that right now. And he desires us so much, and he's not getting us. So it, well, I mean, he is, of course. But, like, he wants to pour himself out completely to us in the Eucharist and and that's he's lonely right so anyway I I 
was so convicted that like powerful. Jesus wants us to unite our loneliness with his right now. Mm. And and remember that our beloved is missing us too. Ugh. And actually he misses us first. Guys, that's it right there. Let's mm. go pray. Done. Okay. End of podcast. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that because um, I'm really excited today for Ashley to share her story with us. Um, we were just getting prepped a little bit and I was just realizing how very many mysteries have unfolded in Ashley's life and how intense they all are. Hmm. Um, like how real and like visceral, I don't know if that's the right word, but they're just, they're intense, you know? No. (laughs) That's what I think of when I hear visceral, but okay. (laughs) No, like tangible. Got it. Like, um, you know, intense Mm -hmm. and tangible. Uh, they are. And so I'm, I'm just excited for you to share with us today. Me too. I'm pumped to share. So will you just start for us um, by sharing a little bit about what your home life was like leading up to high school? Yeah, for sure. So um, I grew up in a family of five. I have two older sisters and a mom and a dad. Um, And we were raised in a very Christian home. Um, I remember like my family having prayer times from like the, the like, one of my first memories of family was like, we would have nighttime prayer and like, we'd always end with the Our Father and I would always yawn during it, side note. Mm. Um, but yeah, like that was, that was definitely there. We were encouraged to read um, our Bible and to have personal prayer. Like that was something that um, was so emphasized for my, for my family. Um, and then like, we were um, we were also baptized Catholic and received our first communion, um, and then eventually in high school was confirmed. Um, and so the emphasis though was not just on like the Catholic faith, but rather like on the Christian faith in general. Um, and my family belonged to this community of all different kinds of Christians, yeah. um, where a lot of my specific formation came from. So that's where a lot of that like um, take time to have a personal relationship with Christ. Um, came from so uh yeah that was kind of like the basis of of my like the beginning of my faith life for sure so um if i understand correctly as much as there were a lot of really positive influences that came from your your faith life at home um and the community that you belonged to there were also some wounds that were inflicted on you during that time and it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows and um (laughs) that that there was a lot of uh, hurt and grief going on. Would you share a little bit of that with us? Yeah, that more started to happen like in junior high and in high school. Um, but I think the reality is that like, first of all, whenever you gather a group of people together, even people that are striving for holiness, um, like there are, there's a risk for being wounded, right? Like there's a risk for hurting each other because we're imperfect people. And so... I think that's just like a good place to start um, with, you know, unveiling that component of my life. Um, But definitely like what I, what I experienced and I didn't necessarily know that I was experiencing it at the time. um, But I was, as I look back on that, I'm very aware that like, it was just, it was more about like, do this or else, Mm. like follow God or else. It was a lot more like legality than it was about the father's love for me. Yeah. Um, and so of course, like I know people didn't 
intend to communicate that, but just the, the messages and the way in which we interacted as a community. Um, it was very much like driven by fear versus love. And, and mm. that's really painful. And that manifested itself in certain friendships that I had um, with, you know, just hurtful things happening as a result of that approach. Um, and so that definitely was like something that, that really hurt me. And it, it, it's something that like, as I've gotten older and as I've grown in my own faith and, and discovered uh, the foundation of everything, which is that the father loves us and sent his son for us. Um, you know, it was until I discovered that and continue to discover that, but like, I just, I would say my faith was very much fear driven. And I think what's so interesting about that and why the rest of your story is so like fascinating is because I think I've experienced a lot of people our age who also grew up with more of a legalistic mindset towards the faith, like a do this or else yeah. mindset towards the faith. And, and I think the far majority of them have just thrown the faith out yeah. completely. And so that's why I think your story is so interesting and why I do really want to share the share your story, like with the world is because, um, you didn't leave and you actually not only stayed, but like gave your whole life to this faith mm -hmm. that you grew up with kind of a legalistic upbringing, you know? And so I'm, I'm excited to dive into this. And yeah. Talk about it. It's actually interesting that you say that people, you know, kind of either leave a lot of times they leave because the reality is that like, there's a part of my story, um, that I can jump into here where like I was ready to leave, Yeah, you know, where you kind of, you kind of yeah. were partially checked out. Right. right. Well, or, like not almost. even, no, like not even checked out, like so checked in that I was like, this is ridiculous. Mm. Um, and and I'll, I'll elaborate. So just a little background at that point, my family had stopped going to mass regularly. Um, they were still very prayerful and we were belonging to this community, um, that I grew up in, but, um, but it wasn't I a was Catholic getting, community, right? It was so not it Catholic. Was, yeah. Right. Yep. Good clarification. So, so like I was at this point, like by 10th grade, the year I was getting confirmed, I liked this boy who was a Presbyterian Ooh, and scandalous. <laughs> and I like went on the mission trip with his church and like helped out with everything. Cause... You know, when you go on a mission trip, because it's just for that person that you have a thing for. I'm watching. You don't people. pretend I'm like your kidding. youth ministers don't know. Cause we know. <laughs> yes. So I, but it's funny because I was like really involved in this Presbyterian church and at the same time, I was teaching third grade catechism at my Catholic church. Uh, and I didn't understand that there was any distinction going on there. Sure. And then I was preparing to get confirmed, but I was like not really invested in like the Catholic thing and like would kind of go to mass and kind of <laughs> not. And I was like just really confused. And my family yeah. was kind of going through their own transition of faith. My mom had realized that like that community was not where she was called, where my dad felt like he was and. Um, we had found out that my dad had been drinking and had like a problem with alcohol. And there was just like a lot of like things just kind of, um, what's the word? Like falling apart, yeah. so to speak. And yet like we were still functioning and there was still so much love and so much, um, like goodness. Like it wasn't like I didn't, I was like afraid to go home or anything like that, but it was just like, there was just a lot of things that I had once known to be so real, like my family prays. My family has it together. That was like starting to, to unravel. It, um, it's like an, uh, kind of like an enigma was being yeah, shattered right. a little bit. Like a vision that you yeah. had of your family that you thought was so perfect and good was like 
Right. You realize that that wasn't actually Which, how it was. like, I think most people go through. Like, we all have older a little get, bit of that right? at like, some point. We realize, like, oh my gosh, my parents aren't perfect. And I know that, like, I won't be a perfect parent. And, like, yada, yeah. yada, yada. But it's still very, like, traumatic But it's pretty times, significant you know? to realize that, like, yeah. your dad is an alcoholic. Right. And that... Um, Especially in a legalistic home exactly. where we were very much, like, do this or else... Like, that went against everything about do this. Like, oh my gosh, like... And that was before I understood alcoholism, which I have a better understanding of, like, how that's more more of a disease than it is, like, this behavior of rebellion. Like... Yeah. Um, and so, just, like, really trying to process that in the midst of belonging to this, like, strict community. So, yeah. I don't want to... I don't want to, like, take too much of a tangent on that, yeah. but I do want to go into it a little bit. Okay. Um, because I think it's interesting, and I think how you've coped with it is really interesting. Would you just do us a favor of taking, like, one minute to talk about how you think that your dad's alcoholism was affecting you at that time? Yeah. So, I, like, want to be really clear. I didn't really realize it was affecting me. Because, so the thing is, like, my dad was hiding his alcoholism from us. Yeah. And so, uh, and he was also working full time and then doing a paper out in the middle of the night. And so when he was home, he was just, like, sleeping and, like, really irritable. Sure. And, um, and I understood that I was like, yeah, if I was working all day and doing a paper route, like I would be tired and irritable too. Like, yeah, that's a lot. Um, but we had had some conflicts arising and, and my dad and I had always been very close. And so, um, so those really like that relationship had a lot of tension, but I kind of assumed it was because I was just a teenager and mm. he was tired. And like, so, so there was yeah. that. And there was a lot of like, again, like that that man who was my hero was, was, I was losing him, you know? So when did you ultimately find out that like, mm -hmm. oh wow, my dad has a problem? Yeah. So, um, it was one night when I was being a teenager and I went and sat in my parents' car in the garage because I was like, I want to be away from... Sorry, I don't mean that in a mean way, teens. You're awesome. I just, oh, I love I just teenagers. Mean, like, no, no, no. But you totally but, like, do you stuff totally like do that. Something. So, like, yeah. I, like, went and sat in my parents' car and was like, I'm going to talk to my friend Caitlin on the phone because I don't want anybody to bug me. I'm having girl talk, whatever. Yeah. And so I'm, like, on the phone with her, and then all of a sudden my dad, like, came out into the garage and, like, didn't know that I was in the car, and I saw him reach behind this, like... They don't even, I don't know how to explain it. Like, he reached behind things and pulled out um, alcohol and just, like, drank a substantial amount of it. And I just remember being stunned because I was like, well, wait, wait. Yeah. Maybe he's just finishing a bottle that my mom and him shared. Like, okay. Like, I started rationalizing it. Mm. Um, and then he, like, didn't see me and he stumbled back inside. And I walked over and found the stash. And it was, like, a whole stash of, of alcohol. And, um... And then, like, long story short, like, I my, praise God, God is so good in the midst of hard moments. Because my sister, who was a sophomore in college at the time, was home for a break when that happened. Oh, and yeah. so she was, like, my lifeline and helped me approach my mom and my dad. And, did your sister uh, know at that point? Like, did your mom know? Like, My books are falling. Books. Sorry, guys. That's okay. Like, how, no, did, none did of us knew. No, okay. none of us knew. We were all kind of, like... Um, under the impression that, like, yeah, he's just tired. He's working really sure. hard. And my dad was never, like, a violent drunk. He was just very, like, uptight and crabby and, like, withdrawn. Sure. You know? And yeah. so, like, you just... It's, it's harder to, like, attribute that to, like, a yeah. problem. Yeah. But it is funny because I do look back and I'm kind of like, wow, how did we not see that? But it's just... I mean, I, I want to say that because I think 
one of the things that I've learned about alcoholism is like, it is not just the disease of the person drinking. Like it becomes the family's disease Mm. and you start to revolve around these certain behaviors of the alcoholic because that's how you cope. And you don't even know you're coping half the time. Like I didn't know that like walking on eggshells wasn't normal. I didn't know that like, um, just certain things that I was, whatever, just like, there's just like things that I didn't know. And I think we can get into that too. Like, yeah, later yeah we can even talk about how those things are still affecting you now because i know you talked about how there's still healing that needs to go on but i want to can i return to like the part earlier that i was starting to say about like when i when things kind of started to unravel a little bit that's exactly what i was just okay sorry so i'm just gonna say like so (laughs) what else because i know there was a lot more going on at this time than just that right so i would say that like so again back in 10th grade like these things are unraveling like realizing my family is not perfect. My dad has this problem. We also weren't allowed to tell anybody about it. And so like, it was kind of this like family secret. Um, I was like in love with this boy and like, he was Presbyterian. I was like, maybe I want to be like, Oh, but there's the Catholic thing and da 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 da. Um, and then another side point that's important is like, um, I had some really good Catholic, um, friends whose moms organized this like personal retreat for us. Um, and we listened to Father Mike Schmitz's Theology of the Body. Yeah. And that was like my first exposure to the Catholic faith. I don't know if Father Mike Schmitz does a Theology of the Body. It was like in 2007. Nice. I remember the year randomly. I have to look into but, that. But yeah, okay. anyway. so I actually still have those. I can give them to you. They're on CD. Cool. Um, but anyways, I just remember listening to the talks and being like, holy crap. The Catholic Church has this kind of depth. And it was just like, because so much of my experience had been like, oh, we do like the real praying outside of Mass, right? Like where I really get to enter in and have my heart there and read the Bible and raise my hands in prayer. Like that was kind of my mentality. Um, And then it was like, we had to do the strict stuff of Catholic thing on the side. So that was kind of the first little like hole that was poked into that belief um, was like, oh, Father Mike Schmidt seems really deep. And he's talking about deep things like how like... God created sex and that is a good thing. And how like the love between a man and a woman reflects the love that Christ has for the church. And like the Eucharist is, whoa. Like I just remember my mind just being like, boo. And then realizing that in the Presbyterian church, that that was not the case. Like that was not their understanding of um, the, like didn't have the Eucharist was not really Jesus. And like, it just kind of started me thinking. Right. So that kind of kept my foot in the Catholic door. Um, But, but again, I still liked this boy and, was also not really, I was around so many non-Catholics that it was like, why would I jump into that, right? Yeah. Um, so anyways, so that was like in 10th grade. And then um, all of that was kind of building up to this point where I just remember, it was it jumped to my senior year. Um, I went to a school where we like, it was pretty intense. Like we read philosophy and theology as part of our coursework. Um, and I just remember we were reading a philosopher, which like literally I don't remember who it was now. So this doesn't really help anything. But um, I just remember like we had been reading this philosopher. It was probably like Kant or something. Kant, how do you say his name? Whatever. Kant, yeah. Kant how do we say I Kant? I always say Kant. <laughs> it's Kant. It totally is. Anyway. Um, and being like, oh my gosh, everything that I've been raised in is a lie. Yeah. It's not real. Like, like, I've been deceived. I've been deceived by this community. I've been deceived by my family. Like, I've been deceived by this school that's so Christian. Like, oh my gosh, this is so, not real. 
so pause for those who don't know. Will yeah. you under will you explain just like a a hair of what Kant No, because I don't was going into. Okay, I mean <laughs> So basically though, this is a this is a man who has like serious doubts about right. the value of religion and the and the reality of God. Yeah. Right. So um you were reading really heavy philosophy yeah. from a man who as far as Wanted I understand was a, not only an atheist but like actively opposed to the church yeah 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 like again i don't even like remember like i read this this line or like i just remember being like oh my gosh somebody just poked a hole in this my whole life yeah and um and so i remember um i literally like i didn't so i started to like call myself an atheist um that's that i just kind of skipped a chapter because i want to make the point but um it wasn't it wasn't out of rebellion. Like, I think sometimes people can be like, I just don't believe, you know? And like, yeah. it was, it was literally like, I am intellectually irresponsible yep. for believing in a God. Right. And yet it broke my heart. Like, I can still remember, like, I went to my friend Tess, who I'd grown up with, who would know me literally my entire life. And I said, Tess, it hurts. My body hurts. My bones ache because God is not real. And like... I just, I just remember being sick. Like, I, like it was just so devastating to me. Um, and so because of that, because it was devastating, I, I didn't want to just sit in atheism. Like I wanted mm. to prove that it was wrong. Like I wanted to be like, no, but like, okay, well, let's, let's go. Like, so tell me that this is real. Tell me that everything I've been taught is real. Like, tell me like, that God fight is me. like, fight right? me. Yeah. yeah like what do so, we have to say against Kant? And something know? that, yeah, exactly. And something that's like, that always been very important to me. And this was very much instilled in my education, um, is truth. And so the transcendentals are truth, beauty, and goodness. And my school talked about those a lot to the point where like, I made fun of it, like truth, beauty, and goodness. <laughs> um, and, um, but like, it's funny cause the older I get, the more I'm like, Wow, that was truth, really, beauty, and goodness, I man. Like it. Yeah, exactly. So, so truth was very much like a part of, um, like we would always read everything and like we would understand the philosopher first and then we would hold it up against like, what is the truth? And so I yeah. knew, I knew there was a capital T truth. I knew there had to be something that was definitively right. Um, I just mm. wasn't sure what it was. And so because of that drive and that desire in me, um, I, I was like, okay, so here's what I know. I know that the Catholic church down the street from me where I teach religion class, although I wasn't at that point, I don't think, um, has a chapel and there's a cross in there. And I didn't really think about the fact that Jesus was in there too, but whatever, there was a cross in there, crucifix. And so I was like, three days a week, I'm going to sit in there. And God, if you're real, you're going to show up. And so like three days a week, I would like sit in this chapel and I would like, Literally, I just remember like staring at the crucifix and being like, move, Jesus. Like, move, move so that I know you're real. Like, like become real in yeah. this cross, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, I yeah. just was so desperate. Um, and, um, and I, I can't say that I had a really profound moment in the chapel. Like, I really don't have a memory of like, this happened. But in retrospect, the Lord used that because my heart was open to him and like, mm-hmm. seek and you shall find. And, um, and so I remember like, I don't, again, I don't remember like why I got to this point, but eventually I started to like, be like, okay, so maybe this Jesus guy isn't real, but there's a creator. Like I just started to like look around and be like, this is amazing. Like this world we live in. Like it's observable. It's observable. And like, 
there is something unique about my friend and then my other friend and then me and like, okay, like, whoa, there's something like, there's gotta be a creator. And so I was like, okay with admitting that. Um, but I wasn't quite ready for the savior piece yet. And, um, so again, like sitting in the chapel and then I also had one of the blessings of going to a Christian school is that you can like talk about faith with your teachers. And, um, so my teacher, Dr. Vogel, I almost said shout out, like he's listening. <laughs> shout out, Dr. <laughs> That's super funny. Um, he was my math teacher of all things. And I say of all things because I don't like math. Um, but he yeah. like was bringing God into math. And I remember like, um, oh, I remember like part of what like screwed up my God belief was that he talked about how uh, math is like made up. Like, like the, the art, like mathematics is like a bunch of rules that, man made up and I was like well then the same thing is true about Christianity like yeah I just jumped and so anyways I was wrestling with that and so that's kind of what like opened the door for me to talk with him and so I it became a thing where like I had him right before lunch and so every day I would skip lunch and I would just talk to him mm. and I would just give him the questions and like honestly I bet he loved that I think he did <laughs> I honestly like he didn't have a lot of amazing answers for me necessarily um but he accompanied me and yeah. he didn't, he didn't shut me down. He didn't say like, figure it out. He didn't shame me for my questions. He entertained mm. them. And, um, and that was something that like really stuck with me. And, um, and so anyways, like it's getting, you know, towards the end of the year and I'm like, okay, there's a creator. I don't know if there's a savior. I want to believe. Um, and we were reading another book. I'm like a, ver- like my faith is like, I guess very intellectually driven. I didn't even like realize that until I'm like saying this. I'm like, I read a book. Yeah, 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 I know. But like, it just sounds so like, I never like realized that. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we were reading this book called Brothers Karamazov. Really awesome book. I keep trying to reread it. Haven't yeah. done it. It's been 10 years. Can't do it. I'm Super on long. page like a hundred, I think. Which is like good, but like it's like I'm like five, a tenth of the way pages. there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really good. Anyways, so in this and I, book... that was like a year ago that I was on page 100. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay, anyway. So in this book, um, it's like, it's in the Russian Orthodox Church. So there's like a ton of beautiful truth in it. And um, there was one part of the story that really grasped my attention. So there's this, it's towards the beginning and there's this woman, it's called The Woman Who Lacks Faith, I think is like the title of that like section of yeah. the book. And this woman goes up to um, Zosima, who is like, think of it as like the equivalent of like a bishop. Um, And she says, how can you prove that God exists? And I was like, this is my girl. Like, let's go. Let's go. You know? And the bishop responds to her. We can't prove that God exists like we can prove science. But we will be convinced of God through active love. And I was like, huh. And I just remember, I remember reading that and being like, now what the heck is active love? Like, I just was like, there's a secret (laughs) here. I know there's a secret here, but like, what is it? What is the secret? And so that kind of like went into the back of my head um, as I was like finishing up my senior year. And I just remember like, as my senior year ended, I felt like I was at this, um, this crossroad where like I was at a cliff and I don't mean this like in a suicidal way, but just go with me on the analogy. I was at this cliff and like, I knew that I could either jump and hope that love would catch me or 
I could turn around and run away from everything that I'd ever known. And what scared me more was running away from what I'd, everything I'd known. What scared me less was jumping, even though both were terrifying. And so I had this desire to jump. And so I, I say that because it was like leading into the summer, all of these components are playing a part in my head. They're playing a role in my heart and in my mind. Um, and another piece of background, like, so my dad, after we had found out in 10th grade that he was drinking, he like was going to AA, he was sober, uh, or at least we so, so we thought. And, um, but my relationship with him was still really struggling and, um, we would fight a lot and, um, I just didn't want to be home and I like, yeah, whatever. I just didn't want to be home and be with him. And, um, and because we thought he was sober, it was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is me. And so this is my problem. And so I remember writing in my journal, um, in like June of that year, right after I'd graduated from high school and just writing these terrible things about myself and how like, I am the problem. Like I am the problem of my family. Um, and then I said, um, I said, God, if you're real, like if you are Jesus, if you like, you've got to come get me, like you've got mm -hmm. to make it real. And, um, and I kind of thought like, you know how you pray those prayers and you kind of think it's going to happen one way and then like it never does. It's always like, yeah. wait, like God's going to turn the sky pink. And right. Like, like, I'm going to know it's yeah. going to be great. Jesus is going to come talk to me in my bedroom one night. Right. Like, you know, like, yeah. So what ended up happening, um, was that the Lord answered this like through a tragedy and that doesn't side note, if you're like me and you're like prone to anxiety, that doesn't mean that if you pray, he's going to answer it through a tragedy. <laughs> okay. Just like, don't be afraid. This is just like what the Lord did in my life. And so, um, it was July 4th of that year. So about a month after I'd written that prayer. And, um, I remember I woke up that morning. I was sleeping on the couch that night for some reason. Side detail, not important. Super emo, um, like the rest of us. I'm I don't like, I literally don't know why. Like I was like, I'm going to sleep on my couch tonight. Like, Oh, I used to Whatever. do that all the time. Like, lame oh. But there yeah. wasn't even, like, a TV to watch. I'm like, why? Like, <laughs> what was my deal? Okay, anyways, I remember, though, waking up to a text from a girl that I went to school with saying, pray for Alex Maslow. He was in a serious car accident last night. Um, we don't know if he's going to make it. And I just remember, like, my stomach dropping. And I had to go to work. I worked at a nursing home in the kitchen, like, serving the cute little old, old people. And, um, and I remember, like, checking my phone, like, throughout my shift trying to find updates and I also so remember who was this kid to you oh sorry that was like I'm jumping um I grew up with him so he uh the Maslow family is like very very dear to me grew up with them his older sister is in my class really good friends um and he was two years younger and so like he was kind of like a brother to me okay um and so that's why yeah so we grew yeah grew up in the community together and so it was like a it was a close to home person like yeah big deal yeah and um and so, um, anyways, I just remember being at work and like checking my phone and like wondering updates. And then like, meanwhile, all these like old people are like, I just want to die. And I was like, screw you. My friend is in trouble. Like, I just yeah. remember being like, feeling like that huge, like contrast. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I get home and, um, find out like Alex is not doing well. Um, and then we got a phone call like right after that. And I remember my sister answered it and was like, hello. And then she's like, yeah, mom, somebody wants to talk to you. And my mom just like picks up the phone. My dad's name is Mark, by the way. And she goes, Mark? Mark Cermak? No. I'm like, what? The? And at that point, I was terrified that something had happened to him, right? Yeah. Um, but she hung up the phone and she was like, dad just got arrested for drunk driving. 
and I fell to the ground because again, my dad had claimed sobriety. And at that point it was like, not only are you lying to us, but you're, you're getting behind the car and like, you know, putting yourself at risk, putting others at risk. My friend is dying. And I like quite literally fell to the ground. I was actually just reliving this with my mom recently. And she was like, Ashley, I will never forget the scream that came out of you. It was not like anything I'd heard. Yikes. And, um, and so I just, I, I remember exactly where I was when I fell down and, um, and I just wept. And, um, I don't remember the order of how things happened, but I remember that my friend Caitlin came over and she picked me up and, um, and she was like, you know, Ash, let's go get some food. Like, let's go eat. Like, just like a good friend taking care of my mm -hmm. basic needs. And so she like, with her like a little amount of high school money, like bought me pancakes at Perkins and yes. took me to half price books and bought me the prince mm -hmm. in me. And like, we like went back to her house and just like watched the movie. She was just trying to like distract me and help me to like take a breath. Um, and then I went home that night and my grandma, oh my gosh, I love my grandma so much. She's like that woman that's there for everybody in everything and is like who I want to be. Um, she had come over and I just remember like weeping and saying like bad words that I would never say in front of grandma, like ever again. <laughs> like, I don't like to say the word, like whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> but like I was saying like a lot of bad words and, yeah. um, and she, I just will never forget looking at her as she's holding me and she just has tears flowing down her cheeks and she's just saying, I know, honey, I know. And just to have somebody sit there and just have that kind of compassion and let me be where I was and hold me through it was so profound, so profound. And so I was just experiencing this deep love from, from both Caitlin and my grandma. Um, and, and then like my friend Becca, right? The Maslow family, the one whose son was in the hospital dying. Um, he did end up passing away that night. Um, and I got to go see him like in his final moments of like being on life support, which was like a gift and painful, but like really a gift. And I got to like be with the family and like console them in their grief amidst my own, my own suffering. And, um, I went over to their house and like helped them clean and like helped them pick out pictures for the funeral. And I brought the little boy at the time to like go get shoes from Target and, um, and I just remember being like, where is this strength coming from? I am like broken inside. And yet I am so compelled right now to love on this family. And it was like a ton of bricks hit me. Like in the, in the following, the, the days right after that. And I was brought back to that part in the Brothers Karamazov that said, you will be convinced of God through active love. And I was like, holy crap this is active love there it is like my grandma caitlin my like desire and ability to go and love on this family in active ways like this is this is not human strength this is not human love this is a love beyond me and that was like the moment where like you know you know it's grace because like even as i'm saying it i'm like i don't know why i connected this to this this but it was just this graced moment where i like knew like okay jesus is real jesus is real and he is love and love will carry us through love conquers all evil love brings good out of all 
And I will say too that my dad, praise God, has been sober since that day. Um, and lest I paint him in a bad light, like I've learned a lot more about the disease of alcoholism and how um, it's less less of this, like oh, I'm being a rebel against God, and it's it's a it's it's a disease and it's an ache, and I'm not justifying it, but I'm saying um, my dad really is a good man, and I just think that's important. That's amazing to say. Yeah. So yeah. So. <clears throat> So you have that experience of like authentic love Mm -hmm. and that convinced you of the reality of the savior. Yeah. How has that transferred into your life today? Yeah. Like where did that, how has that grown and evolved and um, led you to the place that you're at today? Yeah, that's a good question. So I would just like to be clear that at that point I wasn't like sold out on a Catholic faith. I was just sold out on a Christian faith in general. And I still wasn't totally clear on all the distinctions between like Protestantism and Catholicism. Um, but when I went to college, I met this priest, Father Dittmer. Um, and he, like, because my heart had been ready to receive that, that grace of knowing that Christ was real, I was ready to start to be like, okay, like, who is he? What has he revealed? What's this thing about church? Specifically, like, okay, the Catholics say we have to go to confession and that Mary is our mother and all the things. Like, and I had wanted to be like a pastor. And so I was like, wait, why can't I be a priest? Like, all the things started to like, I was in a place then to start to like enter into that. And so I had this priest who, like, oh my gosh, just like loved on me and like answered my questions and um, just did such, he was such a father to me, such a spiritual father to me. Um, And, um, yeah, so he he was kind of the catalyst for, like, bringing me from that step of, like, okay, Christian to, like, okay, Catholic. Yeah. And I had met some awesome um, seminarians who, like, shout out to one of them is now a priest, yay, yay. Um, who, like, walked with me through that. And um, other Catholic friends and um, that just, like, solidified my love and understanding of the Catholic faith. And then I, in the middle of college, decided to do net ministries which is, for those of you that don't know, uh, I think most of you guys know, though, because whatever, but it's like uh, you do a year, like nine months of missionary work in the United States, like with teens and putting on retreats and whatnot. And so in doing that, I found this beautiful bridge between like this charismatic worship upbringing that I had, where it was like, have that personal relationship with Jesus, like know how to worship the Lord, know the charisms that he has given you, and marry that with the Catholic faith because that's actually where it belongs. Like that's where it originated. Right. Um, and so like I saw that coming together and I had so much healing and like from my own wounds and from, um, my, my doctrinal questions like continued to be answered. And so, um, after net, like I just, um, continued to grow and I, today I continue to grow and like, I like to think of our faith as this like never ending treasure box because just when you think you've reached the bottom, like this whole new level opens up and like, that's the mystery of love. Like love is eternal. And so like, you'll never get to the bottom of love. Like I'll never fully discover everything there is to discover. And I think that like circling back to legality, like the trouble with legality is I think it, it, it clogs that. It's, it's, it's not love. Like you, you would go, okay, I know what I need to do. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. I avoid what's wrong. I do what's good. And then we're good. And like, when I do that, I miss out on this like radical love story. 
this pursuit yeah. of the savior, like the, the savior's pursuit of my heart. And you don't have to throw out. No, faith. you still go to mass. It's, you still follow the rules, quote unquote. Because but you, you have see to it find the real love that yeah. is in the church, and that the church isn't just legalistic, but it's actually like the craziest, most beautiful love story yes. ever. So it's so it's such like a, an amazing thing to me that Jesus really showed that to you, mm-hmm. you know, and that He never let you leave because He showed you the love that's present within the church, yeah. even though there was this potential for a totally legalistic mindset that led you to either be a legalistic Catholic or abandon the Catholic church altogether. Like it's so wonderful to me that even amidst all those lies, he really showed you the truth. Like there is the greatest love story that you'll ever find in the church. And that he, he showed that to you, especially amidst tragedy. Yeah. You know, I think that that's, that's so our savior. Like he's the savior crucified, you know, he's not the savior. That's like rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. Like he's, He's the crucified savior. And I just think it's so cool that where you felt that love the most, like the love of the suffering savior the most was when you were suffering. Like he met you in your suffering. Mother Teresa has a great quote. I'm going to like summarize the quote, not directly quote it, but where she talks about like when we suffer, it's like Jesus kissing us on the cheek. Right. Like he comes so close that that we suffer because he suffers. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah. So one side fun story is um, that prof- that um, teacher that I had. I saw him a couple yeah. years. A couple years later, what after all this had happened. Oh, that's a different. I'll tell you that too. Okay. okay. This is the prof- or the gosh, I keep saying professor. My math teacher in high school that I would oh, like, the high sit school and math have questions. With. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so sweet because like right after I did net, I like came back to Trinity to visit because I still thought it was cool at that point to visit my high school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fun to kind of visit your high school. Oh my school gosh, life. I have no desire. Uh, like, I run away. In fact, my dad works at my high school. I run away. Like, I do. My dad works at my high school, and like, I literally am like, Dad, are there teachers? I'm like, I do kind of get the like, shivers when I go back. I don't want to go. Yeah. Blah. Anyways, um, but I saw him, and he, oh my gosh, it was just this really beautiful moment. He was like, Hey, did you get your questions answered? And I was like, Oh my gosh. I did, Dr. Vogel. I did. And he goes, glad to hear it. Oh my gosh, that's such a movie moment. I was going to say, is that a movie moment? It was so great. And that then, is like the end I of a really know. cheesy Christian movie. Oh no. Oh my gosh. Oh no. That is so classically cool. So beautiful. Like, I so love beautiful. that. Yeah. So, what a perfect note to end your yeah, story on. I know. Did you get your questions answered? Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Vogel. I did. Praise God, Ashley. Praise God for him answering our questions. Um, We're so grateful to you guys for tuning in today and for listening to Ashley's story. God has done amazing things in her and he's revealed so much of his truth to her. Um, So especially if you guys have like really intellectual questions, I would encourage you to go to her. Not like (laughs) she's this epic, you know, philosopher, but but it's just true that she's wrestled with the real questions, you know? And so... um, And I would even say like one of the things that I want to encourage people is like don't be afraid of questions yeah don't drown them out don't like look up canon law and be like oh this is what it is like don't don't drown your questions in fear face Mm -hmm. them because the reality is that we have 2000 plus years of history we have the holy spirit who is ever alive and the questions that we ask have an answer and they and they don't need to be something that um, that scares us, right? And 
and that doesn't mean that everything's going to intellectually be figured out. Like there's, there's a place for faith. Like absolutely there's a place for faith. Um, but don't be afraid of your questions. Ask them. It deepens your faith. I am so glad for every question I've ever asked because I found an answer. Um, yeah, God's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid. And, we're and there's no shame like, in having questions. There's no shame. You so, should have questions. That's my advice. Praise God. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Yeah, thanks for listening. It's like our longest podcast yet. I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, hey, there's nothing else to do. COVID-19. Yeah, man. We hope you guys are staying happy, healthy. We are praying for happy you this healthy, holy, holy week. Happy, healthy, holy. We are praying for you this holy week. We encourage you to enter in, and we will talk to you on Wednesday. For real this time. For real this time. We love you all, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.